Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is comedian Maisie Adam. Hello. Hello, Sophie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. It's going to be uh, a lovely trip down memory lane, I think. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So I always start by asking people, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Yes. uh, So this TV show, like, takes me straight back to... Like after primary school, my nan would pick us up, me and my brother, and we'd always watch. Uh, we'd always watch the show on my nan's TV. Which, like, if I could see it now, I almost wish we had photos of it because the TV took up like a good corner of the room. It was so, <laughs> like, you know where you know where it says it says three D. Like it's so far. It goes backwards as far as it does wide. Um, it was basically yeah. just a big cube in the corner of the uh, of the room. But we'd watch we, we'd watch S Club show like pretty much every night afterwards and I think everybody like they they identified with different members didn't they and and uh I I remember always wanting to be Hannah because I thought she was like super cool she was always in a bandana and she was the one like from all of my mates wanted to be Rachel I'm thinking this as well like Rachel Stevens is essentially Rachel from Friends as well like they're basically the same character dynamic but yeah, S, I mean, like most people my age, S Club was the soundtrack to to those years, really, like sort of primary school, all all of those years, really, to the point where I think when we left school at end of sixth form, that was the backing track of the Leavers video and everything. So it was, yeah, big, big part. Yeah, and in uni, there would be like cheesy pop nights and it would be like, oh, S Club and Steps and all know, that like, sort of thing. S Club... S Club came to my uni, well, to a, a club where I was at uni in Southend. Oh, was it like the three of them? Yeah, was it, it was Bradley <laughs> Joe and I think Paul. Um, I didn't go because it was it was almost like um, I've got such fond memories of it as those seven, and I'd know that like that won't be what I'm going to experience that that night. And in, you know, in my head, it sounds really bad, but in my head, they're these young sprite. Like just watching the episode. For this for, the, for for this record, I was watching them and I was like, they were so young. They were, they were so young. They were kids, and so the thought of seeing just three of them, kind of middle aged, breathless, hobbling like, around yeah, the stage, yeah, doing yeah. a breathy version of uh, Reach, just wasn't. I, I didn't want to put myself through that and that be the last memory of them. I want I want to keep them in the in the glory days. Yeah, I think you made a wise decision. I haven't seen 
the S Club 3, but a few other people have mentioned it and that yeah. seems to be the experience where you're like, oh no, bless them. <laughs> it's really not, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't lose any sleep at the fact that I didn't go and see it. So today we're talking about LA7 episode 12, which is called Working, and it aired on CBBC on the 22nd of June in the year 2000. Uh, I feel like there's quite a lot to unpack in this episode because yeah. there's more plot than usual. Like, there's quite a lot going on. Right? There's there's a lot. It's very choppy, and there's about six different storylines <laughs> all at yeah. the same time. And an appearance from who I think, I wanted to c- confirm this with you, from who I think is the guy that played Kanicki in Greece. Yes. Yeah? Jeff Conaway. Yes, yeah. that's his name. That's his name. Oh, my God. I I was looking at him and I was like, how do I recognise him? How do I recognise him? And it, it, it is Kanicki, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strange appearance because often when, you know, actors pop up in this show, they're not recognisable names. No, and this one's like an iconic name. Yeah, but I suppose he, he had a, quite a troubled life. He was yeah. probably sort of having some issues at this point I maybe that's so. what he turned to LA7 he maybe needed the work yeah. we don't blame him for it <laughs> yeah it was definitely one of those things where his, his agent rang him and was like listen mate I don't think you're gonna get something like Greece again you're just gonna have to make your piece that you're gonna have to do this yeah it wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't great yeah, he's he's pretty good though. He gives quite a decent performance. He uh, well, he gets to have a complete meltdown, which we'll talk about <laughs> later, which is a bit much. Yeah, but he commits to it. Oh God, he really does. He really does. Maybe he's channeling some inner demons. I don't know. So we start off with them all sitting around talking about how they want to go out, but they're too skint. Bradley comes home from work because apparently he's a cinema usher now. This hasn't been in previous episodes. He's just suddenly wearing a red suit. He's a cinema usher. And he tells everyone he found $50 in change down the back of all the seats. I mean, where is he work? What what sort of movie theatre is having $50 down the back of seats? Maybe it's in like Beverly Hills or something, like in a fancy area. And everyone kind of starts being nice to him because they're thinking, oh, maybe if we go out and he's got $50, he can pay for everything. But he tells them all he's too tired. Rachel says they can stay in and do what they did in the olden days before nightclubs. And Joe goes, what, like skinning dinosaurs? Yeah, that was a very uh, just sort of shoehorned in line, wasn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, that's what people did before nightclubs, of course. <laughs> And they're having this conversation, aren't they, about like, oh, we don't need all these electronics. And it's weird looking back at it now because it was obviously before mobile phones were a thing and they're still talking about, oh, we've got too many electronics and it's like all these massive sort of consoles and stuff. Yeah, massive CD players that they're plugging in. Yeah, when when it shows that scene of them all playing their electronics and like I think Bradley's playing on something that looks like a sort of PlayStation 1 yeah. She was probably playing a sort of Crash Bandicoot kind of game. And Rachel's blow drying her hair with something that looks like, you know, you'd, you'd pack for travelling now. Uh, and she, if only if only they knew what was coming, you know? Yeah, because they decide to stay in for the night. And John initially is like, oh, we can talk about current affairs and politics. <laughs> and then there's just silence. And they all just sort of go off to do their own things. We all know what John was was, was probably like. If if John actually existed in, in your friendship group, he was that guy at uni who just wanted to have a deep, charged debate 
all the time. You're like, oh, I'd, I'd really rather just go on a night out, mate. I'd like it if that was the rest of the episode, like they were just sitting around having a chat about current affairs. Yeah, yeah. Mind you, I think after Joe and Mira's big brother uh, appears, <laughs> we don't want to hear her views. Her political opinions are probably a bit spicy. <laughs> yeah, they saved us from that. It could have got a bit <laughs> interesting. Maybe that's why they don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they all go off and sort of plug in these different devices. Bradley's got a PlayStation like you said before, Rachel and John are sort of blow drying their hair as if, as if that's like a fun activity for a Friday night. Because that's all what we did in our spare time in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, that, maybe it, that was, was what it was like before before mobile <laughs> phones and computers and stuff. We all just like blow dried our hair on a Friday night. <laughs> for the nothing, there was simply nothing else to do back then. And we see some kind of sparks coming off the, uh, I don't know what it is, the fuse box. Yeah, whatever. yeah. And there's a sudden power cut. Everything goes off. It's dark. And John goes, oh, no, my hair's going to look like straw now. And Rachel goes, your hair always looks like straw. (laughs) Uncalled for. It's just a savage, savage. Yeah, I kind of, again, though, like when you're watching them, like get ready, you're just reminded of all of the the fashion statements of that time, like, uh Rachel in those in in some of the tops she's wearing with like revealing your belly button was just the ultimate yeah. sort of staple for a night out it was really really something yeah in the sort of the music video a bit later there's some interesting fashion going on she's got like a sort of it's a black top isn't it that's kind mm-hmm. of quite modest and like long sleeved but then it's just slit completely from the stomach And like Joe's got on sort of um, patchwork (laughs) jeans with like denim in different (laughs) colours. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's not it's not a a look that's aged well. Yeah. And like you said before, there's like bandanas and stuff. I'd forgotten that they existed. I remember having a bandana. Oh, Hannah Hannah was a good champion of of the, the bandana that made a... Um, featured a lot in her scenes. Yeah, they would be handy if you had like, um, you know, having a greasy hair day or something. I think we need to bring them back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dry shampoo's not always to hand. Where's the bandanas? So it's gone dark and Joe accidentally sits on Hannah's lap. Um, and I quite like this little line delivery from Hannah. She's a bit sort of, a bit more cheeky than the others. And she goes, oh, I guess you didn't realise there's a little bowl of guacamole in my lap. <laughs> Just, that was quite uh, cute. Yeah, yeah, classic, uh, classic Hannah again. And also, like, I just remember that that, that sort of storyline would often happen. It always used to annoy me when I was watching stuff like this when I was younger. Of like, there'd be a power cut, and they're all like, "I can't see anything." Yet we can see everything that's going on. Yeah, you know, we we we, we could clearly see she was going to sit on sit on uh, Hannah, and yet Bradley has the confidence to come bounding down the stairs, going, "What's happened? What's happened?" And you're like, "What if it was pitch black?" You'd be, you'd be lowering yourself down one at a time, wouldn't you? I don't know. This is the method actor in me. I'm, I really don't think they're committed to their characters, is what I'm saying. Yeah, from our point of view, it's quite well lit, isn't it? You can just see everything. It's just lightly dim the lights slightly. Yeah, yeah. And Bradley kind of comes to the rescue with a massive torch, which yes. I assume he's brought home from the cinema for some reason. Yep, and he insists on then showing them all to their seats and stuff. Also, like <laughs> the fact, so they. Yeah, they, they they all sit down and then try to talk about something. You know, they're like, oh, what should we talk about? Struggle to talk about something. 
And then they come outside and all of the neighbours, they're like, oh, we've got a power cut as well. In the times when I've had a power cut and you go outside to check that your neighbours are all the same thing and there's always, always that sort of weird hustle and bustle, isn't there, where everyone's going, oh, yeah, is it your house as well, your house as well? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has ever gone, oh, yeah, it was our fault because we were using these <laughs> electrics. And then the rest of the neighbours have gone, yeah, you idiots. Like, that's so <laughs> your fault. You go, oh, well, it's just, it's just happened. Like, surely a street in L.A., should be able to withhold in a house that big, somebody using the hairdryer, somebody being on a PlayStation uh, and and whatever else was going on in that house at the time. If that's shutting down a street full of electricity, like, <laughs> you need to have a word with your landlord because they meet her at the end and she's like, oh, uh, you know, I, th- I think my, the house needed rewiring. Yet S Club take it on themselves to be like, we need to raise $200 to pay for the rewiring. Like, no, 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 you need to be on the phone to your landlord. They need to be... S-Club really needed to go to the Citizens Advice Bureau of of (laughs) LA and work out uh, uh, what what can be done to to put them in better stead with a better landlord, to be honest. Yeah, because I don't know why they assume that it's them immediately. I know. Like, oh, we we just had so many devices plugged in. It must have been, like, they've been naughty or something. Like, we shouldn't have plugged in that many things. I mean, maybe if you've been in a band from such a young age and you've just lived on, like, tour buses and hotels, you're not used to what what it feels like to be a tenant. But I feel like Joe Public watching that, we were all like, uh, no, as a tenant, if your fuse goes uh, and it's going all along the street, you do not volunteer to raise £200 and pay for it all yourself. <laughs> that is not what happens in that situation. Oh, oh. What's happened? Oh, the lights are gone out. Dawson Creek was just about to start. Oh, now my hair's going to look like straw. Your hair always looks like straw. Look, I've just got to sit down and try and work this one out. Joe, stop trying to sit on my lap. Sorry, Han, I can't see anything. Obviously, you didn't realise there's a little bowl of guacamole in my lap. Ah! What is going on down here? We're blowing the lights. Oh, my gosh. If Joni finds out about this, we're out. I have a strange feeling she will find out. We can't even see to sit down. Yes, we can. Allow me to show you to your seats. Mm-hmm. Madam, please, no talking. Chew quietly. Sir, madam. Oh, thank you. Show consideration for the other patrons. And uh, enjoy the show. Yeah, because they go out and, yeah, rookie error. Paul is immediately like, it was us, guys, sorry. <laughs> Literally. And, and one of the, <laughs> the neighbours goes, of course it was the Brits. Yeah. Like, they've already... they've. They've already got a reputation in the area. Yeah, yeah, lovely bit of uh, of judgmental, I guess, xenophobia from the uh, from the LA residents there. Um, very, very judgmental, very, very rude. Uh, but yeah, if if I was one of S Club, then and Paula just piped up with, "Oh, it was our fault." You'd be elbowing him in the ribs, like, "Shut up! It's not our fault. It's the weak electricity board of this neighbourhood." Don't think you have to be like <laughs> letting the rest of your house know. I mean, was this around the time of dial-up internet? I, I think we'd gone past that, surely. Mm, this was 2000. Yeah, probably still going at that point. I think point, we were probably yeah. still at a point, though, where you could safely use a hairdryer and not have to check that <laughs> everybody else in the house was not using electric items. I think, surely. <laughs> or maybe maybe I'm just so far uh, into the 
the new era now on my smartphone and everything i'm like oh well they didn't need to accept the blame for this no but no. yeah the neighbors the neighbors are angry they already have um some sort of vendetta against them because one woman is like we can throw them out we did it in 1776 and we yes. can do it again <laughs> lovely little reference there to uh to america's independence <laughs> war uh i was like oh my god it's like the plot of hamilton all over again yeah i thought of hamilton when i heard 1776 <laughs> as well i was it's like oh so i already know that what a what an overlap in storylines this is a strange thing in this series because there was another episode where I think there was some sort of British-American rivalry, like an American was dating Hannah and his agent oh, really? was like, oh, it's not going to be good for your reputation dating a Brit, like as if that's a, a thing that exists. That's mad. I did not know that. Oh my God. So there's like little little, uh, little digs in there for the transatlantic relationships. Yeah, some sort of imagined rivalry. But this one guy called Wally offers to fix it. And Hannah helpfully goes, oh, everyone knows Wally. He's a qualified electrician. Because for reference, we've never met any of these neighbours before. They've just shown up now. And I looked at this guy who plays Wally and he doesn't <laughs> act anymore. But bizarrely, he runs a dog walking company, oh, which fits gosh. in with this episode. So maybe this is where he got the idea. He was inspired from this. He was like, that's the life for me. I'm going to set up the, something called Puppy Sitters International in this episode. <laughs> it's so well. And I think, yeah, as you say, like from, from this point onwards, it, it no longer stays as one storyline. They're like, okay, we've got to get jobs. And so Rachel becomes a dog walker. Uh, John and Joe end up in a radio station where they meet Kanicki. Mm -hmm. Bradley... Uh, oh, Bradley does a valet job, doesn't he? And I did. I mean, that it all goes off in literally seven different directions. Yeah, and in the the Wikipedia summary for this episode, it says that Paul gets a paper round and Tina teaches aerobics at an old people's home. But I don't know where that's come from that because that's not, not in the episode. <laughs> oh my god! So I don't know. I love I love the idea then that there was probably other ideas for this one episode <laughs> and they've just sort of been like oh god we've got to cut some bits out and just just do this bit like that what we saw was the best bits uh and it was pretty it's kind of you know when you have a dream and like it just constant constantly like cut scene and you're going you're suddenly you're in one room and then you're suddenly in another place with another person this episode was basically like that yeah because there's so much going on that by the end of the episode I didn't even realize like oh what job did Paul or Tina get like because there was so much going on anyway that wasn't in the back of my mind until I read that Wikipedia summary and was like wait where's this person even got this information from were there yeah. deleted scenes or something <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? I don't, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, and this whole idea that they all have to get jobs as well seems a bit odd because Bradley did literally just say that he found fifty dollars in one day at the cinema. <laughs> so if, if he just carries on working for like three more days and like looking through the seats, then maybe just Bradley can raise two hundred dollars. I love it. I love it. It's the, the the eternal optimism of the noughties. And also they're all talking about getting jobs as if it's a big deal, but this is like the penultimate episode of the series. 
pretty much every episode so far has involved somebody getting a job like this isn't a big deal but for some reason in this episode they're all like oh i suppose we'll all have to get <laughs> jobs as if that hasn't happened in previous episodes with individuals i know i know like oh let's just ignore all of the past up until now and start each episode <laughs> afresh so Rachel gets out a newspaper to see what jobs are available and Bradley's like oh you can be a dog sitter and she's like no way I'm a cat person not in a million years and then obviously we cut to her working at this dog sitting company um so she's set up there Joe and John bump into Kanicki who just on the basis that they're again this is actually the reverse of what we were saying before because they're british he offers them a job <laughs> at his at his radio station that plays classical music because he mistakenly thinks they're sophisticated and classy exactly exactly also like the amount of chance encounters that are in this episode la is one of the biggest cities uh, <laughs> like it's so spread out i went there a few years back and i was like you can't get from A to B just like in a cab ride. It's so far away from uh, one side of the city to the other. The fact that Kinnicky just bumps into uh, John and Joe and then like later on, Rachel is walking through the park with the dogs and Hannah just stumbles across her. It's like, how does yeah. this keep happening? These chance encounters, Bradley keeps bumping into... Oh, the Bradley bumps into his landlord... Again, well, I won't ruin it, but there's further chance encounters like throughout the whole episode. And you think, I'm sorry, is the population of L.A. 12 people? <laughs> yeah, it's all written by British writers. So maybe they're thinking it's the size of like a town in the UK or something. It's so strange. It's so strange. So they get this job in the radio station and Joe, for some reason, suddenly knows lots about classical music. Out of, the, out of nowhere. Yep. That's not been alluded to before, but it's because her dad used to run a record, work in a record fair or something like on the market. That's never been mentioned ever. Yeah. Because uh, initially John is like, I've got this Joe, I can handle it. I can bluff my way through this. And then she kind of steps forward and puts him in his place a little bit, like talking about Just reels off like, and all, all that these sort facts of thing. about, yeah, about Elgar, Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky. And uh, it, it's... It, it's a it's a, it's a very strange, just sort of um, again shoehorned in character plot, isn't it? You spend you spend the whole of the episode just sort of going, yeah, okay, sure, sure, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess that happened now. Uh, that's a thing, <laughs> and it's never going to come up again. Yeah, that won't come up again. That's sure. We'll we'll believe it for this these ten seconds. A radio station. You want us to work in a radio station? Result. I'm Jerry Parker, a program director here at KWOW. We are looking to expand into a younger demographic without losing our present audience. And I think you could be just the presenters we're looking for. Oh, we are. We're exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, whatever it is. Great. And you're being British, you'll retain the sophisticated image we want at this station. Oh, yeah, we're well sophisticated. Yeah, you know, pip, pip old fruit. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're British, so I needn't ask you this question. But you are familiar with the popular classics, right? Oh, yeah, the popular classics, you know, status quo, level 42, right said Fred. <laughs> Frankie goes to Hollywood, catch a goo-goo. No, no, no. 
<laughs> Good one. No, I was thinking more Elgar, William Walton, some Beethoven. Oh, those popular classics. Right. That won't be a problem, will it? For us? Oh, no, 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 we're British, old man. You know, classical music is our heritage. It's our lifeblood. You know, we grew up listening to Beethoven's 1812 in our cribs. Tchaikovsky's. No, 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 it's absolutely true. No, John Eaton. George, shut up. I can bluff this guy. I do know a bit about classical music, you know. It was Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture. <laughs> That's what I meant. Personally, I've always preferred his Romeo and Juliet, the symphonic version, naturally. The ballet version was a bit too superficial for my taste. What? And Rachel goes to get a dog from a client, and he is sort of in costume as a character called the Cloaked Avenger, because it seems to be a sort of, um, like, the sort of 60s Batman TV show. Like, it was that sort of thing, and he's now doing events and book signings and all that sort of thing. And he kind of starts telling Rachel his whole life story like oh I had a sidekick called cloak girl and we were in love and then she left me and I like how much Rachel like blatantly doesn't care like she's looking at her watch she just couldn't care less it's mad isn't it it's much she's just uh she's like yeah all right come on can we speed this up please yeah and his dog's called cloak girl as well um <laughs> as you do just name it after a sort of an ex-partner of yours <laughs> Yeah, because we've all been there. We've all named a, a pet after our ex. Sure, that's a, that's a normal thing to do. I said to my boyfriend when I was watching it, I was like, I'm watching this just being like, how much drugs were they on when they wrote this? It's, <laughs> it's so choppy. It's very like, okay, uh, we, we've done this bit about this character. Now we go over to here and we're just going to give you this new storyline and some new fact about and you're just gonna have to take them as a fact and, and and deal with that and they won't be mentioned again yeah there is a lot going on in this episode and in the previous episode there wasn't enough going on so I, I wish they just moved a few things around or something because they range from too much going on to just can we like hurry up this up a bit but yeah this has got so many scenes it's mad and i like how one of the youtube comments under this video says that cloak girl dog is a boy did anyone else notice that i don't see why they couldn't get a female dog to play a female dog <laughs> like that is the main issue with this episode yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's the main gripe to have yeah yeah <laughs> so that female dog is like lost out on a part <laughs> there's somewhere somewhere in some like retired dog's home that poor female dog has been like it should have been me <laughs> and this cloaked avenger guy i had a look at his imdb page and he oh, has yeah. been in a lot of erotic movies no because i was like <laughs> yeah. his voice is so bang on for like a, a superhero and i was like oh he's probably i didn't recognize him from anything i mean he's in a mask for pretty much the whole episode but um uh like that just covers the the eyes, but I I didn't clock him from anything, um, probably because I don't watch that, a lot of that's good. movies. Uh, yeah, it would have been worse if I, if I did clock him. But uh, I thought his voice. I was like, oh, he's probably just some voiceover actor because he's got a really impressive voice. But um, clearly, as you say, he's, he's impressive in in other areas as well. So good for him. Yeah, you could have spotted him and gone, oh, I know him from uh, this is one of them paranormal sex experiments. Wow, that is. <laughs> An interesting title. So is he like a porn star? I don't know. He seems to be in a lot of like sort of B movies, like horror B movies and erotic movies, a bit of voice acting, a sort wow. of mixture really. Like he's just sort of 
doing it all. And then LA7 is randomly just in amongst everything. I love it. I love it. Like, what were the casting team on LA7? Like, how did they come across this guy? You know, like if they go, oh, we need somebody to play a superhero and somebody on the casting team's like, um... I saw a, a very artistic film the other day <laughs> with this guy, and he he might be good for it. And also, he has an episode of The Bill because everyone does. Oh, <laughs> but even this ev- guy every was an actor episode of the from Bill. that era. Every actor from that era, absolutely. Yeah, and this isn't the first time this has happened on this podcast too, because there was another guy in I think episode one of this series, and he also had a very sort of porny imdb page so someone working on this show was like (laughs) sourcing actors from somewhere (laughs) absolutely absolutely i love i love that idea so rachel takes his dog and she's in the park trying to sort of walk about seven or eight dogs at once and hannah shows up just completely by chance just in the same area Uh, she's on roller skates because she's got a job as a courier and sure. you don't really see roller skates so much now, do you? I'd like to see more delivery drivers on roller skates. I, think. I know, I know. I, I thought this when she when she came bounding up to uh, to Rachel. I was like, oh, there's Hannah, my favourite, and she's on roller skates. That is so me. Why are you on roller skates, Hannah? And she was, of course, Rachel goes, oh, uh, you're still working as a courier then. I've never ever seen a courier on roller skates, and I, <laughs> I was watching it, being like, maybe it was a naughty thing that I've just forgotten. Definitely wasn't definitely wasn't yeah because rachel said it as if it was part of the uniform or something yeah i mean again it's just the director being like oh we'll just we can put this on and and the the, the viewers will just have to go sure yeah why not <laughs> yeah i want to see like delivery drivers on roller skates that would brighten up my day <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's mad yeah and rachel asks hannah to hold the dogs while she goes to get a caesar salad very specific oh, I did because clock it's, it's Rachel. I did clock that. Yeah, again, it's the, uh, well, like Rachel in Friends, isn't it? It's like, oh, she's the pretty girly one. Of course, she'll be eating a salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Rachel. She can't possibly go and get a burger or a sandwich. She has to get specifically a Caesar salad. Yeah, absolutely. It's mad. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And obviously, because Hannah's on roller skates, she gets given these dogs and just they immediately take off and like drag her along with them. And Rachel doesn't care at all. She just kind of goes, oh, no, and then goes off to get her Caesar salad. It's mad, isn't it? it, it, It's again one of those references that really makes you realise the point in time that it was. (laughs) And it's, I think also there hasn't been an episode set across this many days before because we get no. like, it's it's the evening suddenly now. Yeah, John is doing some calculations and he's like, oh, we can easily raise the $200 if we can all keep our jobs for one more week. And it's like, <laughs> why is keeping a job this hard? I know. <laughs> what are they I doing? Know. You have to be like, they must be really, really bad sort of... Uh, uh, incompetent yeah incompetent workers that they're they're having to be encouraged to just be able to keep their job for a week 
a week. Yeah, because Bradley's failed already. He comes home and he's been fired from the cinema uh, because he's been getting off with the projectionist and she's been putting the reels in the wrong order. Yeah, classic Donna. And another little reference from the time, he says, oh, it's the first time Titanic's ever had a happy ending. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I did clock that and I was like, I feel dirty. I feel dirty now. (laughs) Yeah, we don't want to hear about Bradley like getting off with people and not in the project. <laughs> getting the reels wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if like, I mean, a happy ending has started to become known as something that's probably a bit more dirty than was intended in that. But yeah, watching it, it, watching it back like... with the eyes and ears of somebody in 2020 watching Bradley talking about hooking up in the projector room and going, oh, happy ending. I was like, oh, no, now <laughs> I'm just seeing spunk on cinema reels. <laughs> yeah i think at the time it probably wasn't a double meaning and now we're just like oh bradley may or maybe he did know that (laughs) (laughs) i know it's not it's not 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 a good look is it yeah he's got a new job already though somehow he's a valet and tina tina doesn't really do much in this episode but she is basically not in this episode it's very much s club six for this one yeah, Tina and Paul, we don't get to find out what their jobs are, no. apart from what's on Wikipedia that someone has just made up for some reason. Um, but Tina says to him, like, oh, a valet, is that like polishing silver and ironing newspapers? I did not get that at all. Have I missed a joke No. There? I, I didn't I didn't get that. Because it's like a that's like a butler or something, isn't it? But I don't know why because he kind of goes, No, not that kind of valet. So I guess maybe there's two types of valet. Yeah, or it was a very tenuous joke. I don't know, but it was it was one of those things where you're like, what? Uh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Tina's on another planet. Yeah, basically, basically. Guys, we could easily raise this money if we can all just keep our jobs for one more week. I can't believe I got fired. Fired? But you only got the job three days ago. No, mm, no. But it doesn't matter because I got a new job. Yeah. You lot are now looking at Bradley Macintosh Ballet. You mean polishing silver and ironing newspapers and stuff? No, uh, not that kind of ballet. I'm the kind of ballet who parks cars, and I'm working at the new Cafe Goffite down at Santa Monica Boulevard. So, why did the cinema fire you again? Oh, for conduct unbecoming an usher. Can you believe they stripped me of my blazer and my torch in front of all the other rushes and everything? I told you to stop snogging Donna the projectionist, you muffin. Yeah, but it wasn't the snogging they objected to. It was the fact that it made Donna put the reels on in the wrong order. But mind you, it's the first time Titanic's ever had a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We get to see Joe and John at the radio station and they've got a bit of a a strategy haven't they because the boss nips out for an hour at the same time every day i mean they've literally just been told all we've got to do is keep our jobs for one more week and (laughs) as soon as their boss leaves they're like let's play our own records on a classical radio show purely because the boss's (laughs) radio doesn't work they're clearly like oh i'm sure there's no other staff that work at this station or regular listeners who are going to phone in and be like why are you playing Reach for the Stars when I want to be hearing uh, the uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? Yeah, because it's just this one guy, isn't it? Like, is he the only uh, the owner and the only listener? Because you'd think if people were tuning into a classical radio station, they would they wouldn't want to listen to this, would they? They'd be like, oh no, and change over and complain. <laughs> it's really it's it's so um, there's so many holes, isn't there in 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 the whole episode where you just have to be like, 
sure. I guess guess that's not going to happen then. I like how Joe is sort of in the middle of reading a news bulletin and she goes like, the president today reaffirmed his position on, and then as soon as the boss walks out, she's like, oh, who cares? Just on the air I know, <laughs> to I whoever's know. listening. And then they start playing their own music. But again, it was a simpler time. Nobody can tweet about you and get you cancelled for it. So I guess it was back in the times of whatever whatever cropped up on uh, live on air at that point, it happened and we've moved on and you can't listen back to it. You know, you just have to take it. If yeah. you heard that on the radio and then tried to complain, they'd only have to take your word for it that it happened. Yeah, it's it's weird thinking that, isn't it? You could just do anything and the boss just doesn't know about it because his car radio is broken, as John establishes. <laughs> it's mad. It's so bad. And we get a song now, which is um, oh, All In Love Is Fair. This was the <laughs> highlight of the episode. Um, I forgot, actually, that that was a staple of uh, this show, was that they would they there would be a sort of interlude where they'd perform, perform the song mm-hmm. that didn't always have uh, a direct storyline link. So this one is like a song about, like, you need to choose who you're going to be with. Is it me or is it them? That has not been a plot line in this episode. Uh, also, they're all just suddenly on top of a skyscraper singing it. Um, <laughs> it's mainly Joe and Bradley, uh, and the rest mm-hmm. are just sort of awkwardly two-stepping in the background. Paul, especially at one point on the far left, yeah. he's just two-stepping with his hands in his pockets. I mean, yeah, it's bleak. It's bleak. And, and it's again, it's just out of nowhere. Why, why couldn't they sing a song... I don't know about because they they weren't singing their hits. This song was never a hit. This was a, a, a song I'm assuming just for this. Why didn't they write a song about going to work or working hard or getting through hard times with your friends? Yeah, the songs are usually pretty unrelated, but I feel like this one in particular is even more just loose. Well, because it's it's about something so specific, and also because they're on a roof as well, and like usually they're sort of. That sometimes they'll be singing in the context of the show, like they're sure. doing a gig somewhere. Whereas this is like it this, could just be a just music video on, on a building, and not a building that we've <laughs> seen so far. It's not the radio station building, or it's not on top of their house. It's just on a on a skyline of of LA. They're singing a song about again something so specific, but not related to anything happening in the episode. It's quite a deep. I mean, deep for S Club Seven, but it's quite a deep, uh, almost sad ballad kind of song being like you need to pick who you're going to be with because I don't like not knowing Uh, and then of course it just suddenly you get a bit of uh, very like old school almost like 90s rap from from Bradley poor Um, Bradley yeah uh, and it's it's very it's very shoehorned in but which ultimately I guess does actually make it in the spirit of the episode yeah, and as you said, they're all swaying around awkwardly. I was thinking this is quite a rare occasion where they don't have a choreographed dance routine to do. And I think that might be why they look so awkward because usually they're specifically following a routine. Whereas here they've clearly just been told, 
sort of bob around in the background while Joe and Bradley like have the lead at the front and yeah I was watching Paul as well he was just at one point Rachel looks like she's actually sort of messing around like she's smiling through quite a lot of it which (laughs) nobody else is like it's a kind of moody song and Rachel is just like grinning and then at one point she's like rolling her eyes oh wow I didn't see that but I suspect it's probably that they've been recording and like retaking takes of that short music video if you can call it that over and (laughs) over again and all members that aren't joe and bradley are just like oh for fuck's sake like this isn't even this isn't even uh to do with the storyline let's just dick about in the back um which is essentially what happens they're either uninterested like paul or dicking about like rachel and who can blame them yeah, and Tina, I think in particular, looks bored out of her mind. Like maybe because she's the the main dancer of the group, she's particularly like, oh, why aren't we? Why aren't we doing a routine? I'm not surprised Tina's bored. She's had nothing to do within the episode, and then finally a dance comes, a, a song comes along, and as you say, she's the dancer, so she's like, okay, fe- great, finally I'm going to get a bit of work here, and she's she's put at the back and told to two step with the rest of them. <laughs> Of course she's going to be bored. Yeah, I think Tina often deserves better in this show. We could have had a nice plot, apparently, where she was teaching aerobics to old people, according to Wikipedia. So that would have been quite sweet. I would have much rather seen that. I would much rather have seen that than heard about uh, Bradley getting a happy ending in the projector room. (laughs) (laughs) So after the song, Rachel has a van full of dogs She's doing a sort of roll call to check that she's got all of them. They're all like responding to their names, which is quite cute. But the dog called Cloak Girl is missing. Um, And so she goes to see the client to explain what's happened. And he's, he's obviously upset, but he seems to be mainly upset because he needs the dog for like an event, which I don't think he's a very good dog owner. Because if, like, if I had a dog and it went missing, I would be, like, collapsing on the floor. But he's yeah. just kind of like, oh, well, you're now going to have to fill in for the dog at this event tomorrow. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> I also like the fact that he has the bag of her costume ready to go. Despite yeah, why did he previously... have that? <laughs> yeah, he found out at that moment that his dog was missing. And A, didn't seem all that bothered. And B, was like, oh, well, here's a costume I'd prepared in case this situation occurred. <laughs> yeah, why is he carrying that round with him? That's disturbing. It's very strange. Very strange. Then it's the evening again. Uh, another day has passed. Bradley has brought a fancy car home from work because he said it was still there after all the customers had left. So he just took it. Obviously, it turns out it's the boss's car. He calls and Bradley admits that he took it through a drive through with some cheerleaders, which you wouldn't admit to the boss, would you? No, no, you really wouldn't. <laughs> so he gets fired again. again. Again, they just drop themselves in it a lot in this episode. Like, um, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, it might have been our fault that we, we, blew the power in the house uh yep uh we'll we'll just put, uh, play our own records literally before you're even out the building they're dropping themselves in it all the time and this is just another example of that yeah oh yeah your car's fine apart from there's some <laughs> like fast food in it from when i went through it with a load of cheerleaders i'm Sorry, also boss. not gonna believe that that is mayonnaise if he's been in there with a load <laughs> of cheerle- cheerleaders and we already know what he was like with donna in the projection room 
Oh, God, yeah, I forgot that he specifies that it's mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah that is worrying. <laughs> Again, I think that's a, that's the writers nudging each other behind the cameras and thinking, <laughs> the kids won't know. It's CBBC, they won't clock it. But they knew what they were doing. Rachel comes home dressed in this cloak girl outfit, which is a sort of blue and green lycra thing. And she's got, like, CA on her chest, which I guess stands for Cloaked Avenger. But it just made me think of that shop called CNA that... That doesn't exist anymore, does it? I think it's from the time CNA. It's absolutely CNA was like the 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 uh, sort of like capital, wasn't it, of of hype mm-hmm. fashion um, back then. Uh, and uh, let's just say it shows. It shows as well. <laughs> they all sort of laugh at her, and Bradley weirdly says that she looks more stupid than Xena, less stupid than Wonder Woman. Very niche reference again. Yeah, Xena gets mentioned quite a bit in this show. Like, I think this is maybe the third or fourth time I've heard her come up. I think that was quite big at the time. I guess. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do. I don't recall Xena at all. No, I didn't watch it. I remember it being on, but uh, yeah, this show was clearly better. We thought we wanted to watch this instead. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so right. And another reference, John goes, when did you join the Power Rangers? I mean, such a stupid com- comeback. Um, <laughs> I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll say it with my chest, but John would have really annoyed me living in a house with him. Being like, mm-hmm. oh, let's have a topical debate. And then making the worst, <laughs> the worst. He's almost quite partridge in the way he goes about his, uh, yeah. his, his insults. It's not, they're not great. Yeah, John is quite annoying in this episode. Again, Paul just not even, like, contributing at all. He no. might as well not be in this episode. No. <laughs> so, do I look stupid? Well, a little bit more stupid than Xena, but less stupid than Wonder Woman. Rachel, I had no idea. When did you join the Power Rangers? Shut up, John. I lost the cloaked Avengers dog, and now I have to take her place. Well, then shouldn't you be fetching sticks and weeing up trees? Hello. I have to take her place when he opens some tyre shop tomorrow. And until I find his dog, I have to keep on taking her place every time he appears in public. And I have to wear this stupid costume. OK. Um, Bradley, I've got the manager of Café Gafique on the phone. He wants to know if you've got any idea what's happened to his car. A Rolls Royce? Oh, Pop! Hello, Mr Riskin. Yeah, it's perfectly safe, as good as new. <laughs> Well, apart from the little mayonnaise stain when I went for the driving. Yeah, but it wasn't my fault. The cheerleaders were hungry. Then it's the next day again. Another jump forward in time. The boss goes out of the radio station. So they put on their own music. But there's a twist. Turns out the reason he's leaving is to collect his dog from Rachel. But she calls to let him know he's running late. Oh, sorry, that she's running late. Um, so he kind of leaves the station, but then immediately goes back in, and obviously he catches them having a rave to Red their handed. own music, doesn't he? Yeah, and he he, he loses his shit, like, <laughs> and 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 seemingly, I don't know again if this is a an actor's choice from Jeff Conaway or that's just kind of what Americans do. But he got so angry, he started taking off various items of clothing, ripped yeah. off the jacket, started undoing his tie, started undoing his his. Is, is sure i mean i don't think i've ever got so angry that i've been like i need to strip because i'm so angry 
<laughs> it's like he's gonna like hulk out or something he just starts stripping off and he's like screaming i can't stand it make it stop like quite an extreme reaction to s club seven's music yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> what a world eh what a world <laughs> and he also says to them go back to england you limey brats wow Wow. I mean, again, not doing L.A. all the wonders in terms of, uh, of, of portraying their attitudes to British people. Um, with the woman at the power cut who was like, of course, it's the Brits. We can send you back. <laughs> and then Jeff Conaway uh, getting that little dig in. I mean, it's no surprise they were constantly on the move, S Club. They, they weren't welcome in a lot of the places. Yeah, he claimed to hire them because they were British and now he's using it against them as soon as they've done something he doesn't like. He is toxic, that character. And I like how he's had this massive meltdown and we kind of see him again not long later and he just seems completely fine. It's, it's Again, that's what I mean by like the choppiness. It's just sort of, uh, oh, he's like this. Oh, but now he's fine. Oh, but then he was really angry. Oh, no, but now he's met a dog. So it's it's, it's very <laughs> much one extreme to the other. Bradley applies for another job and he doesn't really know what it is, but this woman interviewing him is kind of like, oh, you're exactly what we're looking for. Seems quite sinister. And it turns out he's a model in a life drawing class. So this is his third job of the week now. Third job of the week. That's... Oh, Bradley. I mean, and and as somebody who got fired for the first one for being frisky in the projector room, fired from the second one for taking girls home in his car, he then decides to go to a an all-women's life-drawing class to get a job. I mean, in a post-Me Too era, I think Bradley would have been very, very much sweating in the corner, I think. <laughs> Yeah, this has come up before. There's quite a lot of approaching women out of the blue and all that sort of thing. But in this live drawing class, he's weirdly kind of asexual. Like he doesn't seem to be enjoying it no, in particular. But, no. but he doesn't also seem very embarrassed either. He's just kind of sitting there because we hear a sort of little inner monologue, don't we, where he's going. Again, this is not something that has really happened much before. We just get an inner monologue in this episode for some reason where he's kind of going, oh, this isn't so bad. It's easy money. And it's not like anyone here knows me. And then <laughs> their landlady, Joni, sort of peeks out from behind an easel and is like, you, Bradley. It's so strange. It's so strange. And again, just very, very odd storyline choices mixed with odd character choices makes for an episode that just feels like the whole time you're weird for not getting it yeah she is also quite inappropriate because she kind of goes nice glutes and sort of winks at him (laughs) so inappropriate your glutes are your bum right that's your glutes yeah and he's sitting down and he sat down and she really is implying about his penis so just from a <laughs> just from a physical like and and literal point of view of or logistical point of view that wouldn't work with the with the the eye contact that she was having with the, what part of his body it was not with the glutes yeah and also when we were kids at the time we were probably like what what a glutes what a glute. <laughs> and that she would and they'd be like where did you hear that yeah yeah, Bob, loads of people probably thought glutes was a willy. Probably loads of people being like, <laughs> oh, wow, uh, you know, I, I want to see... Uh, well, I don't know, we would have been too young for that. But, uh, you know, oh, 
boys boys have glutes. Look at that boy's glute. He's got his glutes out. <laughs> so Kanicki collects his dog from Rachel and characters meet up. He sees that the cloaked Avenger is there and starts kind of geeking out because he's a fan. Um, so he goes into his car to get a notepad so he can get an autograph. And I don't really understand the logistics of this. The dog called Cloak Girl jumps out of his car and Rachel kind of says, oh, she must have stowed away in there when you picked up your dog yesterday. Yeah, again. And I <laughs> I was trying to get my head around this. I don't really get it because she's not in the boot anyway, is she? She's like just in the car. So if she if she was in the boot, it would have made a bit more sense. And they all go, oh, you know, as so if that's a real vibe. Nobody goes, Rachel, what are you on about? How would that have happened? <laughs> Again, it's just a lot of stuff that's just sort of brought up and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, sure, that, that would make sense. Yeah, she was just in the car and presumably he's been in the car, like driving to work and stuff and just not noticed that there's a dog in there that isn't <laughs> his in the back seat. So strange. So strange. And the dog, maybe because he's not a very good dog owner, the dog doesn't seem particularly excited to be reunited because it takes off. Um, so Rachel and the cloaked Avenger go running after this little dog down the road. Um, and it runs into the life drawing class. Again, just everything's happening in a few metres of each other. Uh, the dog runs into the life drawing class and jumps onto Bradley. So he kind of suddenly stands up, but he's holding the dog like over his crotch isn't he yeah 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 it's it's a it's an interesting pose um and of course (laughs) it ends up making it onto a canvas yeah all the women get quite excited don't they they like flip over a page and start (laughs) suddenly painting oh there's a dog in the picture now let's let's capture this moment it's so weird it's so weird and this is this is gets even weirder the one of the women goes hey i recognize that dog and it turns out it's the woman who was the original cloak girl who he was in love with. And the cloaked Avenger comes That's in and it. they sort of have a bit of a reunion. <laughs> and Rachel just sort of looks at Bradley and shrugs. Like, she's not really bothered about the fact that Bradley's naked holding a dog in front of him. She's just, like, nonplussed about the whole situation. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So bizarre. So it's been it's been a few days now. It's been quite eventful and the end little bit is the band all walking down the street together. Hannah helpfully does some exposition and goes, hurry up, we're going to be late for Joni's art exhibit. So that's Again, a great shoehorned, uh, <laughs> great shoehorned uh, detail there. And the wedding, of course. Yeah, the wedding. They're going to the Cloaked Avengers wedding later. <laughs> so we don't know when this actually is. This could be like months later. No, it can't be actually because they've only just fixed the wiring so i guess they've just got married quickly <laughs> it's mad it's mad. that that i yeah <laughs> i think we have to guess that 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 would be that would be the one yeah and for, for some reason tina seems to have a bit of a like vendetta against joni because in, in the previous episode she really nastily told her to shut up just out of nowhere and here <laughs> tina is like oh i can't believe joni's got the nerve to try and sell her paintings <laughs> already it's like so unnecessary considering tina's done so like bitchy. nothing in this episode as well very very bitchy very bitchy um yeah they don't they don't really think about much character depth there do they? they're like oh i guess just give her a catty remark 
Yeah, I can't believe she's got the nerve. Like, <laughs> she she can do whatever she wants. She's an adult woman. Leave her alone, Tina. <laughs> yeah, at least she's had some lines in this episode. Yeah, and Paul finally gets to serve a purpose with a really convoluted line where he says, well, the main thing is we raised the $200, Wally repaired the building, and Joni's none the wiser. It's like, thanks for wrapping that up, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, nice su- summary there of the episode. Yeah, and as far as we know, you've done literally nothing to contribute to that. You've just been sat at home. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's He's been very, very minimal in that effort. Yeah, so they arrive at this exhibit. Joni has painted Bradley, covering himself with the dog, and apparently someone has bought it for $1,000. I thought we were going to like find out who this customer was as a sort of twist or something, but we don't find out. Someone's just like a pervert. Uh, and Joni says to the band, oh, well, I was going to spend all this money on rewiring your building because it's a bit of a death trap, but I went over there and checked this morning and someone had already done it. <laughs> Oh, oh god really I, I, I missed that bit yeah so they didn't even need to get jobs oh jesus um <laughs> this was all for nothing maybe if you'd have just as i say gone down to the citizens advice bureau and uh and and you'd have clocked that actually it's the landlord's responsibility also again like they need to get a backbone because the landlord just goes oh yeah and i think i'm going to spend the money all on that all all on me you'd go uh actually we got that uh, flat rewired i mean sure it probably <laughs> wouldn't make as good an episode just watching seven tenants uh in a dispute with their landlord over rewiring <laughs> a big home but um listen i'm one for detail it could have prepared us for later life uh, yeah yeah we need to do we, we, what we did what we needed was the uh the the, the show about s club seven doing tax returns or uh, <laughs> working out how to fix the fuse box or uh, being in a legal dispute with their landlord. All of these things, that, that then we would have actually been more equipped for the world. Yeah, because the impression you get from this show about like the world of work and the world of being an adult and living in a flat is just so not, uh... off the wall. <laughs> like you just lose your job in a day <laughs> and you can just get another one the next day. That's completely different. Yeah, you just get another. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's an interesting episode. It's an interesting episode. Yeah, and the final little exchange is um, Tina goes, who'd spend $1,000 on that? And Bradley says, come on, it's obvious. And Hannah just sort of leans in and goes, yeah, a dog lover. Like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> she leans in as if she's going to come in with like the wittiest retort. And you're <laughs> like, oh, here she is, Hannah. She puts her head through, a dog lover. And I think... That sort of anticlimactic joke, in inverted commas, punchline, um, is pretty much um, sets the tone for the whole, sums up the whole episode, I'd say. Yeah. Was that really the best they could yeah. come up with? Yeah, that's that that's the nail on the head. That's what you come away with is, is a feeling of, that was the best they could come up with? Pretty much with every decision they've made in, the, uh, in that episode. So any other final thoughts at all on the episode that you want to get off your chest? Uh, I mean, mainly that I think uh, that point we did earlier of, of they, they ought to have actually focused on, on the very real problems that these seven young adults are facing. And uh, rather than inconsistent storylines, um, show us, you know, let's let's see them filling out a, a, a P45. Let's see them 
uh, in a legal dispute with their landlord, um, putting their foot down that they need to um, have their electric back by that evening because they are a world-renowned pop group and they should be treated as such. So, I mean, that I would have much rather watched that, you know, S Club 7 being the divas that they should have been. They ruled the, the, the early noughties. Um, there's no way we, that they should be dog-walking to get £200 together. Yeah, in this whole show, they just spend it kind of avoiding their landlady because they don't want to pay the rent and just getting demeaning jobs and stuff like that. I mean, sure, that is very relatable. And I'm sure the uh, <laughs> intent was to make them kind of like, oh, like regular people, we're all broke and, uh, and, and, and avoiding the landlord. But yeah, again, like to, the, the fact that in the first five minutes, you're seeing them all sat around on the couch going, I'm broke. And you're like, you are in the biggest band in the country right now. You're not broke. And I know you're not broke because I bought your CD the other day. So before we finish, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything that you'd like to plug at all? Uh, No, not at the moment. We're in a bloody pandemic, aren't we? So I guess just my Twitter handle is Maisie Adam. I'm the same on uh, Instagram. Uh, oh, and if you if you enjoy podcasts like this brilliant one... Um, Come and check out mine and Tom Lucy's. It's called That's a First and you can get it on all of the usual places you get your podcasts from. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.